Welcome to Fruit Bowl, an oral history of queer sex. Masculine tops, power bottoms, butch girls, femboys, bears, otters, unicorns. There's no shortage of labels that queer people use to describe different sexual identities and preferences. But how do we navigate that horny, thorny path between realizing we're queer and deciding which boxes to check when filling out our dating profiles? Fruit Bowl features first-person stories that explore the unique ways we develop our sexual identities by sharing the sometimes messy, always fascinating, real-life sex histories of queer people. Our first introduction to sex, the embarrassing moments we'd like to forget, and the reliable bedroom moves that we've discovered along the way. Basically, all the stuff we wish we'd known when we first came out. Interviews are edited for clarity and brevity because we all know how much we love to talk about ourselves. Thanks for listening. Let's begin. Welcome to Fruit Bowl, an oral history of queer sex. I'm your host and the creator of Fruit Bowl, Dave. And with me today is my co-host for this episode, Jalen. Welcome, Jalen. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. We're going to listen to Tyler's interview that I conducted last summer, almost a year ago. It's hard to believe that it's been that long mm. since I recorded the first 20 interviews for, for Fruit Bowl. Tyler is a friend of mine. He lives here in Seattle, and I'm going to let him do the rest of the talking uh, in his interview, and he will introduce himself that way. So here we go. Columbia, Missouri. So I first found out about sex, I guess, through like hearing my parents fooling around. And that was kind of, it wasn't embarrassing, but it was kind of one of those like, oh, my parents are fooling around. And then when they divorced, um, then it was just the new flavor of the week for my dad. So it'd be like, oh, you're my new mommy. What are you here to do? Oh, you're here to make me breakfast and fuck him. Get it. Cool. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's kind of how I first found out about sex. Maybe not the way that I would interpret or what I was going to be doing, but just this is sex. This is two adults getting together and making nasty. My dad got really clever about putting his um, trunk. He had a big um, army trunk. He would put it in front of the door so I couldn't get in, so I couldn't peek in because I was curious. I was a little kid and I was like, I gotta go see what's going on. They're making a lot of noise. So my dad wasn't the vocal one, but it was more of who he was bringing home. And then he would love to tell me about it once they were gone. And this was like at like five and six, like I was learning about sex then. It wasn't a question of like, was I confused about what was going on? It was a question of what he was doing, how well he was having fun, um, what he was doing with that individual or that lady, and pretty much that. And I was like, is this not my new mom? And she's sticking around, all these questions would come up and I'm just like, I don't get it, but I just, hey, he enjoyed it and that's what I kind of learned. My first major crush, I would have to say it was actually, it was this um, girl that I had class with in a history class, like major crush. She was very pretty. She was a black girl and we would sit next to each other in history class and she was so much smarter than me. Um, I think we were doing like civil war and I was like, well, this is, this is stupid. And growing up in the Midwest, it's kind of like, oh, 
the South is good, but it's kind of not so good. And they try to whitewash it all. And she was like, no, think about it from this perspective, selling slaves and doing this. And she was like, you're all right, you'll figure it out. You got a good head on your shoulders. And I just always like loved that she would always take the time to focus on me, help me through my schooling. And I just kind of had this like little schoolboy crush on her. Just an innocent, I'm into you in the sense that we both get along with each other. My first guy crush, I can remember when I was working at McDonald's, there was a manager. I don't know why I thought he was hot. And it was always like, he would always be working next to the fryer and he would always be really greasy, but I don't know. He just, he had this like goofy smile with like big dimples, bright blue eyes, and he had a goofy chuckle. I don't know, he had a huge bulge in his pants. I don't know if it was all balls or what, but I just loved checking him out. I was like, oh. That was my first guy crush, McDonald's. That was when I was 16. Mm -hmm. So that was a little bit past um, my first girl crush. Um, but yeah, 16, I had that crush because I started working there and then went on to work at Walmart and got a couple crushes on these three college boys um, that were training to be managers at Walmart. And I was like, oh, they're going places. They're working at Walmart. They're getting educated. <laughs> So the first time that I realized that it was a dude I was attracted to, not a lady, was when I was watching, <laughs> I found my dad's porn. We had this old timey um, TV stand and it was just like shoved way back there and I found it. I was like, oh, cool video for me to watch. Pulled it out and I was like, couldn't understand what the hell it was talking about. It was like some butt beauties or something. I was just like, oh, like Black Beauty, that's my favorite movie. Popped it in, started watching it and there was this, Big, hunkin', strong-looking man, just like trees down, just going to town at this lady. And I'm like, not even paying attention to this little petite girl with like fake boobs. And he's just railing her. I was like, oh man, that is hot. I was like, wait, I'm looking at the dude, not the girl. And I noticed I was fast-forwarding through all like the girl scenes and where they're just going to town at each other. And I'm just like, eh, need more dude. Too much vagina in here. My first kink would be that I was infatuated with white boxer briefs and old timey military movies. They always had the scene where they're all lined up in boot camp. They're all staying in their white cotton briefs, hard on instantly just watching it. I'm just like, oh, yes, daddy, military daddies. Mm. My first kink, love those underwear. Mm. I'd kissed girls occasionally through school. I got the nickname of Kissy Monster because I would kiss all the girls. But for actual sex and what I consider sex, I didn't start doing that until I was 20, 21. Um, and I was in the Navy and I was really afraid of sex because I had a lot of questions. I mean, I knew it was a lot of fun and I knew my dad was doing it, but there was just like this, like he would tell me all the things he was doing, but I didn't have any of the answers for like what was like going on, like why, why is this, what's going on in my body? Like, why am I getting hard at this, but not at this? Like, why am I looking at this dude and this is getting me hard, but my dad's doing this with ladies and I don't know what's going on. So it was like really confusing for me and I didn't have a good outlet because I was like, oh, well dad's doing, dad's doing ladies. I should be doing ladies too, but I'm not getting turned on. So just kind of something that I never developed over time and never really looked into it. I mean, I would make out with the ladies and kiss them. That was always fun. That was always, oh, we're drunk, this is fun. I was like, well, I'm not that drunk, but it's okay. 
I'm just trying to figure out if I like this, and I didn't like it, but yeah, it took me, I think, yeah, 20. I got a drumstick from a concert that I went to, and I was like, oh, I think I might like to put something in my butt. I'm not too sure, but this might feel good. Who knows? And I did that, I was like, with the drumstick, because there was no sexual education for homos in the Midwest, so I was like, oh, drumstick will work. That's dick shape. That's kind of what I'm into. It did not feel good. It was not something I ever tried to get. I was like, that's not. That's not where that belongs. It's not where that goes. First thing that I did find that worked was actually reverting back to boxers. I used to sniff boxers. I really, really enjoyed the smell of like somebody just coming from the gym and smelling my boxers. It was my own for the first couple times, but then it was like after once I started having sex, it was like, oh, I can sniff, I can sniff your boxers. We just went for a bike ride. I'm really into that. That smells really good. Just the hot sweatiness of another man. It was just like, oh, that's a good brand. My family was all military, so my mom and my dad are the first ones to break generation of not going to military. And then I picked it back up and I went into the Navy. It was uh, before Don't Ask, Don't Tell got repealed. So I was in when you couldn't talk about it. There was no, you were sailor so-and-so. Don't tell me what you're into, mm -hmm. just do your job. I was engaged to a woman for two years. And at this point I was a virgin. Only kissing girls never really counted anything. No sexual experiences with dudes. Um, and we were engaged from 18 to 20. And she was in the Navy as well. I was in Virginia and she was in Chicago, Illinois. So we were never together. We were always separated, but we would always text dirty thoughts to each other, um, say what we wanted to do to each other in text messages, write each other, um, call each other, FaceTime, but never really anything like sexually, like I never took my clothes off. She never got dirty pictures of me um, because I was, a virgin and I was at this time Catholic because I was in the Navy trying to become straight. I was like, oh, this will straighten me out. I don't want to be gay. Um, and it was don't ask, don't tell. So you couldn't be out and have any questions about this. So the right thing to do was be with a woman. And I was with her for two years when she went undesignated and came to Virginia to be closer with me. And she's like, hey, I'm here. I'm in Virginia. I have a hotel room. Let's meet up, let's fuck, let's go out and have dinner. We haven't seen each other. We're getting married in a month or so. And I was like, yeah, let's do that. Except for the fucking part. I'm Catholic and I'm a virgin and I don't want to do that. I was terrified of sex at this point. Like, didn't want to have sex with women. I knew that I was gay, but I was trying to suppress it so bad. I was like, I don't, I don't want these feelings anymore. I don't want to be gay. I want to be straight. I want to be normal. I want to have a naval career. Couldn't do it. And I was so afraid of getting caught of doing anything with another guy that I was like, that's not even an option. But one night she decided that she's like, this is it. I'm done. I'm putting my foot down. We're having sex tonight or I'm done. And I was like, okay, I guess we're done. I'm on duty. I can't leave the ship. I can't leave and go have sex with you. And I'm not having sex with you on the ship because it's not, you can't do that. There's no place for us to go. And she ended up hooking up with one of my coworkers that I was in the Navy with that night and then told me about it the next morning. As he's strolling in, she's telling me on the phone, yeah, I just fucked so-and-so. 
and I'm tired, I'm done. She's like, you take that and you do it, what you need to with it, but that's that. So I went and said, hey, airman so-and-so, we're gonna hang out after work tonight. This is the guy that she just went and fucked. And as soon as we got off work, we went and had a couple beers, took him back to my place, and then I screwed his brains out. He was bisexual. Revenge fuck in the fullest. I just went to town, I was like, you know what? She did it, I can do it. Fucked him, called her. As soon as we were done, I was like, hey, I fucked him too. We're even, we can get married now, we can go back on our pace. She's like, I don't know what you think you just did, but none of this makes sense. None of this is normal. You have some serious issues, and I really think you need to look into your gayness. And I was like, oh, sorry, I'm not gay. I'm trying to get married to you. <laughs> we fucked the same guy, so we were even. Yeah, it made sense in my mind. And that was pretty much the end of our phone call on that one. But that was my first sexual experience, was a revenge fuck to prove that we could still get married, and I was straight. So for my first time and with this guy, it was not a lot of things were on the table because he was pretty particular and he was a little nervous and I was very nervous. I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure this goes there and pegged the shit out of him. But we made out, we kind of fooled around. I didn't get to explore all the things that I wanted. This was the first time that I was ever having sex, but let alone having sex with somebody in my division, in the Navy, that could directly get us both kicked out. I didn't know how that worked. I was like, oh, this could be a sting. He's just here for a ploy to catch people that are fucking dudes and then kick them out for the don't ask, don't tell. Everything was going through my mind at that point, but like we pretty much just stuck to the basics. I mean, made out a little bit, maybe a little bit of a blowjob, and then pretty much just thrust it in and done. It was not, it was not great, but it was like, oh, this is sex with the dude. And I was more turned on with this than I was any time that I was ever trying to pretend and be into girls and making out. Cause I never got a boner, never got, every time I went to a strip club, I was like, yeah, this is great. You smell good. This is cool. No boner. First time with a dude and it was horrible, nervous and nerves just racking me up, just like, I don't know what to do, but I was so turned on. And at that point I was a top, just cause I didn't know anything else to do. <laughs> I was like, okay, I don't know how anything else is gonna go. I don't know what my role's here, what my options are. I literally had no clue. I actually speak to um, my ex-fiance quite frequently. We're actually really good friends now. <laughs> she's married and has a few kids of her own and she's doing well. Most embarrassing thing during the sex would have to be shortly after my first time, I went on a sexual bender. I started having sex almost every single day after that, but I would never get sex from like the same person because I was afraid they could catch me if that way. But I ended up meeting this guy in the middle of Virginia. I thought it was gonna be the safest place. I was like, oh, go far inland away from a military town and nobody will know me, nobody will be military, I'll be safe. Um, and I ended up hooking up with this older gentleman um, through Craigslist, and he had a micro penis. 
And I had no idea what a micro penis was because I'd never seen one before until I met him. And it was a very small nub, but he was the bottom, I was the top, because that's the only role I knew at that point. And I didn't know how to bottom or what I needed to do for bottoming. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. Well, I guess the penis isn't necessary, so let's fuck. And he's like, yeah, okay, but I'm just gonna warn you, I'm really tight. And I got all of a pinky into him. He's like face down, biting the pillow. He's like, oh my God, you're so big. That's so huge. Are you all the way in? And I'm like, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm really railing you. Can you feel it? He's like, yeah, oh yeah, that's really good. And he's moaning. He's going crazy. Like he's like scratching at the bed, just trying to claw, getting away from me. And he's just a pinky. I was like, nowhere near my dick size. I was like, it's just a pinky, buddy. Like I haven't even gone to the second finger. He's like, oh. Are you getting close? I was like, yeah, I'm getting real close. Oh my God, it's so good. This is great. This is the best sex I've ever had. Still with the pinky in him. And then I was like, oh, I'm getting ready to come and just pull out and then wash my hands and leave. Slapping the balls right on the ass. That's my best move. Thunderdome. Yeah, when I'm fucking somebody, my best move is slapping my balls right against their ass. Just power thrust. So what I wish I knew back when I was a young kid and before I became sexually active is just that it's okay to be gay and it's okay to be you. And the one thing that I really think that I've like had to struggle with throughout this whole entire time and throughout this process of my life is learning our culture, learning how to be gay. Because I didn't know. I mean, I was in the Navy. I My first time was with a revenge fuck. I never really learned or took the time to learn our culture and learn where we came from. I just was out there sleeping with guys. This is what it is to be gay. Just fucking honestly and be done and I never really took the time to learn anything about who I was and what it meant to me in the bigger community and how I fit into this whole entire workings of the world of like, oh, well, I'm this gay man, but I'm using my voice to say this and like my interactions with somebody else will spark somebody to think negatively or positively on our culture. If I could meet myself again, I'd be like, hey, it's okay. You're gonna be a strong individual and as soon as you accept yourself, you'll be accepted into the right community. My advice that I would have given myself for the mechanics of just having gay sex is always be prepared to bottom and always have a condom. Cause you never know when you're gonna get lucky. Douche girl, douche. And we're back. I love Tyler. He's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's a really cool guy. I think my southernness resonates with um, his, particularly like the sort of discovering sex and queerness um, without being exposed to it and exploring things and the drumstick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, did I tell you in my interview about mine? About the broom? I don't know if we talked oh, about that. Oh, I don't that. know. Yeah, there were lots of explorations. <laughs> uh, fortunately, I had a queer friend, and we would go back and forth and talk about, like, 
neither of us had any idea like Tyler and we're like let's try this yeah how was it <laughs> you know now thinking back I'm pretty sure I probably tried something similar maybe not a drumstick but <laughs> I definitely tried sticking something up there just out of curiosity I think we all did <laughs> right we we're all butt shovers so. isn't that funny <laughs> like and it must just be nature you know it's like there's a hole yeah. here's this thing it fits <laughs> right <laughs> let's try it out let's do this <laughs> Yeah, so you your your southern southern roots, the, yeah. or sort of a, and I think me too. We all come from a culture that wasn't necessarily queer oriented, or or there wasn't much or any mention of the queer experience. That's um, right. We kind of had to learn it for ourselves. That's right. And I think this the sex ed piece, like the exposure to sex education for queer folk, and even the porn that we get exposed to, like with Tyler. Um, What's wonderful, what he had, I think that is rare for people, is a father that is very sex positive. I don't know if that's sex positivity or just like lack of candor, but he was pretty open. But that gives you at least room to start exploring. Unfortunately, like in our mind, we're th- we, we only get the heterosexual education, right? Mm-hmm. And cisgender education about sex. But he also waited a long time. A long time. Yeah, that was a while. Well, Long it's time. 21, 18 right. to 21. I guess, I guess it's all relative. Um, the age in which we have, we start having sex is often determined by our own, you know, cultural uh, limitations mm-hmm. and also what we do out of high school, whether or not we go to college, because that's often like the experimentation that's time. That's right. That's right. He, I think he went directly into the Marines. So I guess it makes, the yeah, the, the, the Navy, right. Um, I guess it makes sense then that he wouldn't have had that experimentation phase, especially when the like, don't ask, don't tell yeah. was in effect. I mean, I mean, but we all know the Navy, right? Right. Or, and, or any of the armed forces, any of the armed forces, that's <laughs> like true. the idea of like going into the armed forces uh, to make yourself straight is, yeah. is so preposterous to me. And I understand the logic that maybe a young person would have to get the gay sort of wrung out of them just from yeah. the extreme masculinity of the whole thing but i mean what better dream for any budding queer person gay men especially to be in a surrounded (laughs) by hot boys hot guys like constantly i i don't think i could think of anything else other than sex (laughs) i have this mind like i imagine what it would be like but then i talk to like queer folk who've been in and they're like oh it was hot we were in the sub it was really boring. Like, you kind of do sex, but no one really enjoys it because they're all depressed anyway, you know, yeah. from being on that ship. Right. But they all had a lot of sex. All the <laughs> queer Navy folks I know had a lot of sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would. Um, what else did you, what stuck out for you? Um... Oh, I miss Craigslist. It's I right. know. We've had a few Craigslist mentions so far. And yeah. every time people bring it up, I'm like, oh, Craigslist. Oh, Craigslist. <laughs> did you get a lot of action out of Craigslist? I did. Yeah, I did. And I'm not, if for some reason, I don't know why, but apps don't feel the same, right? I mean, I guess they are the same, but there's something about reading someone's post without having to interact with them and knowing exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. And so you call them in and like, I know exactly what you want. You know what I need. Let's do this. I guess you can do that on an app. It feels different, though, for some reason. Craigslist to apps 
like dating apps today, I think are similar to MySpace as compared to Facebook. Do you remember MySpace? Yes, I remember MySpace. Like, I'm old. The, <laughs> I'm older than you. But uh, like, I liked MySpace because it was more open sourced and you could really make your profile very weird and yeah, reflect, that's true. reflect your personality. Whereas Facebook is, is pretty regimented. Yes, it is. And it's very consistent in the way it looks. And there's not a lot of like creativity in terms of the interface. Yeah. Um, and I feel like Craigslist was the same in that people really had to kind of stand out when That's they right. made a post and and be descriptive in their own way. Whereas like apps, you just check off boxes. Yeah. You know, you're just like filling out um an a employment application almost. Yeah. For for a date. And it, there's something to be said for seeing what people do when they're given free range. A picture of like the corner of their butthole and like a lube bottle. Yes. And, like call me (laughs) (laughs) or even like just like being so detailed descriptive about what they want and and how they describe it as that's right as compared to like how a profile would describe them yeah like i feel like that's true you always learn more about people not just from the content of what they say but how they say it that's right um which is true of just meeting people in bars if you just walk up to somebody and have a conversation it's up to them to really articulate and define themselves yeah yeah yeah. you know instead of letting an application do it for you there's a there's a certain amount of laziness that the apps encourage i think so i mean yeah and some of them are less upfront so like being a trans woman um like scruff and grinder aren't like my go-to. Yeah. And so I think there's a little more explicitness and details that can go into a profile in that space. Um, then the, then the choices that we actually have as trans women that are pretty safe, you know, like, okay, Cupid, you mm-hmm. know, you have to kind of be all cutesy and like, you really want to date someone yeah. instead of just saying like, I just want somebody to come over here and rim me. That's it. You know? <laughs> right. So yeah. Yeah. Do you use the apps though? I don't anymore. I used to, when I was identifying as a cis gay man, I would use a few apps, but I, they, I was never lucky on them. I think I just don't know how to do it well. Yeah. And with dating, it's been relatively successful, oh. um, but not for like the get down, you know? Mm-hmm. So the Thunderdome. That's <laughs> Tyler. <laughs> what is the Thunderdome? I think this just so is awesome. his, his name for getting it, getting it down. I'm loving the names for <laughs> the moves. <laughs> yes. um, I liked his section where he was describing his first, not his first porn, but his first sort of kink in that he liked the old time movies oh, yeah. with the boxer shorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it made me think about my first sort of movie going experience where it was clear that like the kind of sexual aspect of it was the main draw. And this is going to age me, but like for <laughs> me, it was risky business. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did have a little thing for Tom Cruise I mean, back in the day. I mean, he's a handsome man. Jeez, young Tom Cruise. I'm sorry. Between you know. between Risky Business and Top Gun, yeah. I, I was like done. Completely. I, I was yeah. done. And the scene at the end of Risky Business where he has sex with Rebecca De Mornay on the train. I don't remember that. Okay. Yeah. It was all I could think about for like a solid year as an adolescent, just little gay boy budding, you know. Now I got to watch it again. Yeah. It's, it's very explicit for like 
a rom-com sort of wacky comedy. It's, yeah. it's pretty, pretty hot. Um, what would be a movie that, that you saw early oh. on that you may have? Okay. So I have, I just remember 16 Candles and I am not going to remember his name. The blonde dude, short hair, Michael um, Thomas Hall. Is that his oh, name? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Michael. Anthony Michael Hall. Ah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> it they was, all sound like first names. I so know. that's what it is. I was so into him. Oh, my God. Wow. And he was in also like um, Weird Science, wasn't mm-hmm. he? Vacation. I was so obsessed. Oh, my God. Yeah. I have no idea why. I mean, I was the same age. And maybe <laughs> okay. that's it. So I didn't really get off on like the dude, like the older dudes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But folks that were about my age. Yeah. Same with Goonies, like the lead actor. Mm. I just yeah. Josh Brolin. It feels just a little weird talking about it now because they were kids (laughs) at the time, but I was also a kid. (laughs) Right, right. Me too. Um, I I liked Goonies for that reason. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I was necessarily at that age um, aware of my sexual attraction. I think it was more to do with like wishing I'd had that group of friends, you know? Yeah. That went on crazy adventures. interesting anthony michael hall that's a that's an interesting choice i know because <laughs> i mean if you saw the man that i date it would make a lot of sense okay you a like lot. the skinny white boys well <laughs> i went through my internalized racism phase <laughs> i'm joking not really <laughs> and do you are you still attracted to that kind of guy i am at this point i think i uh i am attracted to boys who are a little clumsy and lanky and goofy yes right and i think i date more brown people now just for safety reasons Mm. at Mm -hmm. this point but yeah i'm i'm thoroughly attracted to the goofiness (laughs) i like the goofy too (laughs) what else jumped out at you mickey d's mickey d's so it's like the first workplaces did you have like crushes at your first workplace my first job was blockbuster video um i mostly worked there to get free free movie rentals yeah but there was no hotness not not really no i had plenty of hot guys that i went to high school with yeah maybe that's where i got my eye candy from oh my god i don't know what it is about mcdonald's but i think my type of guy works at mcdonald's <laughs> it's, like, it's anthony michael hall flipping hamburgers okay <laughs> that's it there's something about the kind of there's something at the time i think when i was younger about the i don't know what it is it doesn't yeah. maybe it's what tyler said they're greasy you know it's yeah like, <laughs> it's like greasy boys there's not an... all mcdonald's workers are greasy <laughs> but you get greasy just you working get greasy there. yeah 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 Maybe it's something about the unpretentiousness of it. I think that might be it. Oh, you're onto it. People blue collar who just need to make a living. Yeah, I who... think you need to be a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of why I'm doing this whole thing is because I'm fascinated by, you know, people and yeah. their what their preferences are and why it is. But I think there's a certain romance to people who work hard mm-hmm. and just do their job and make make it through. Mm-hmm. You like I always mm-hmm. have so much respect for people who who just do that and also I was recently had a experience in the service industry. I I went through a kind of a lean time with my filmmaking and and had to get a second job and it's fucking hard work. It's such hard work. It's <sighs> such hard work. I worked I at a Crystal Burger, which is kind of like White Castle. Yeah. Oh, my God. I've never worked so hard in my life. Yeah. People don't know. 
Like yeah. I have such a new respect for people in the service industry now. And I, I had an easy job. Like I was just doing concessions. Yeah. But like fucking standing at a at a fryer and like running around filling orders and mm -hmm. doing it at such a fast pace. I will never ever get cross with somebody, even if they're not doing a great job. I just won't ever say anything because I know how hard it is. It's, yeah, it's impossible. Well, you know what I think maybe might might have been Tyler's reason is because Personally, I think it's sexy when there's guys who don't realize how sexy they are. Oh, yeah. That's really hot. And they just have the McDonald's uniform on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, All sweaty and greasy. Right. Still sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that says something. I bet they clean up really well. But if you're hot and you can wear a McDonald's outfit. And, and still be hot. And still be hot. You're probably going to be hot out of it, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with with your... Uh, Uniform laying on the floor. I suddenly want French fries. <laughs> <laughs> um, that being that said, though, I feel like Tyler's time in the Navy must have been so difficult. Yeah, I can imagine. I would have lasted one week, maybe. Yeah. I mean, also that it was before Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed and the sort of paranoia around being caught mm -hmm. i mean i think maybe some people might think that's kind of hot and sexy but that's it yeah for some folks it is right yeah. you know so like you're in the south and everyone's all christian mm -hmm. and or in the midwest and you don't want anyone to know but yet like you're having sex with the preacher's son right yeah. but it's like there's a hotness to it but it's also extremely oppressive right yeah and and really sad that because you know like he was describing he after he had his first sexual experience, which crazy story, by the way, but you know, he went on, he describes going on a bender, but not really wanting to ever make a long term connection mm, with anyone. Mm, yeah, I heard that, that to me makes, makes me so sad mm -hmm. that somebody would find the need to explore, but not explore all of that being gay means, which is that you can have sex with people, but you can also have meaningful relationships with that's them right, too that's right you know and denying yourself the the relationship part is something that straight people never really have to consider yeah you know they because their relationships are ex accepted by society there's a part of me that my radical side that thinks that the military set it up that way right you know you want to get rid of the queerness mm. but you also want people not to get too frustrated and leave and so you find a way to use their bodies right yeah you hide some stuff you scare them into you know obeying in other areas but the queerness is gone you can't have relationships and love and all those things you right know? yeah yeah and and to also come out would be super difficult um I'm I'm sure now it's a little easier, but um, I don't know. The armed forces, well, we could do a whole separate. <laughs> I can imagine, uh, yeah. And that might be good. Like, hopefully you'll have someone else uh, from the armed forces mm -hmm. who you interview. Yeah. Tyler mentions that when he first realized he was gay, it was sort of more focused on the sexual aspect of it. But he yeah. didn't really have any kind of concept of queer culture and what all that meant and that he didn't know that he could have a full life as an out gay man mm. until he started to meet people and learn for himself that that was a possibility, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that queer culture is hidden from queer people yeah, until they learn for themselves what that is. Um, and that to me, like there's no education, formal education of queer history. We, yeah. we all kind of have to 
figure it out for ourselves, unless we live in a place where there is a formal education. I personally didn't know much about queer culture until I went to undergraduate school and I took a, a gay history class. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it like was queer so, theory, gay It was history. amazing. Yeah. Like, it was the first time I'd ever heard of um, Harvey Milk. Yeah. You know, and, and we watched the documentary, not the Gus Van Sant movie, but the the life and times of Harvey Milk, which is sort of how his history began to become more known past his constituency in, in San Francisco. And I remember after watching that movie, how cheated I felt about mm. not learning more about queer culture. That's right. And I was like, how could this have happened? Everything with Harvey Milk, you know, including his, his death. How could that all have happened with me not knowing about it? That's right. It's like a crazy story. No, there, just go ahead. I do find there's an appreciation for, um, however, for learning later in life, yeah. right? And a really taking in of a history just because you didn't have it mm-hmm. and remembering it. You know, when it's like growing up and like hearing black history, like you learn it and you take it, you take sort of for granted some of the key figures. Um, but then when it's like really relevant to your life and you need that history to survive right and you have not had it or it's been um misrepresented like you really get into it and find meaning in your life from that history so i mean i i i wish we had a continued education but i also appreciate now that we do have sources and scholars and academics and books and film that we can go to to look at both queer and trans history Mm mm-hmm like who's a queer leader or scholar or artist who you found out about later that you wished you were surprised to have found out about? I knew nothing about Marsha P. Mm. I knew nothing about trans leader Marsha P. Black you, trans woman's uh, Stonewall. Yes. Wasn't necessarily directly there when it started, but then fired shit up and mm-hmm. kept it going. And the mother of queer revolution, right? Um, or one of them. And um, I just, I felt extremely cheated by missing all of those black trans folk right i didn't know about bayard rustin mm-hmm. uh mlk's um um close confidant and writer um had no idea he was gay right and then you learn this later and it's like i've been learning mlk like every year um in all of these classes and a picture on my parents wall you know next to black jesus and so it's like, but this other figure is, was so missing. And that's the one that I needed to listen to and hear from. Yeah. 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 How did you find out about Marsha? Um, Marsha didn't come like maybe, I f- it feels terrible, but like two years ago, mm-hmm. likely, like two years ago. And I think it was, there's the life and death of Marsha P. Johnson. And then there's the one by um, Tourmaline, um, the black uh, trans uh, chick mm. who made the film and who the Netflix one ripped off in oh, making I, it. I heard right? about this And it's so much better. Yeah. Like, the other one's so much better. Mm, I didn't learn then. I learned, I can't remember when, actually, but yeah. it was recent. I'd like to see that. that oh, it's so one. good. It's so good. And it's short, but it's good. Yeah. Um, okay, anything else? I wonder about, um, you know, not to out people or to wonder about their sexuality when they haven't said it, but Tyler's Tyler's fluidity with sexuality was mm-hmm. still present, right? Identifying as a gay man, um, but acknowledging those moments when you find real attraction for um, 
a gender different than is your primary. Yeah. Um, so like the black girl magic he experienced when he was younger <laughs> and then the ongoing like desire to at least make out with girls. Right. There's a, there's something I right. think that that's there mm-hmm. um, that is cute and it may not be the identity of the person, but um, I think I feel like that lately I've been, hearing more and more people be comfortable with the fluidity of all those things that are around our primary identities. Yeah. Being more open to other potential relationships, maybe not sexual, but maybe romantic and friendship. Or Yeah, maybe, yeah. you know, maybe every once in a while you like to eat a pussy. I mean, like, that's just <laughs> what you do, you know, right. but your primary go-to is dick. So. <laughs> right. That's that's something else I'd like to explore in this series is, is fluidity. And making our own definitions for ourselves and That's what, right. what we do or don't want to do with other people. Yeah, yeah. And how that evolves, that process evolves. I think, I think with Tyler, he probably mistook deep friendship with other women to mean that he was supposed to be sexually attracted to mm, them. I don't mm, know. Maybe mm. that that's just because of society's expectation yeah. for a young man. Child, I do that with everyone. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, but he's cute. Do I know. Have to fuck him? No. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Fruit Bowl. Just a quick announcement. You can now become a patron to Fruit Bowl on Patreon. Just go to fruitbowlpodcast.com and click on the support link. We've only been live for a week, but I have started to upload behind-the-scenes production updates and exclusive video clips, including the full-length version of Porn Yesterday. That's the short I created last year that was the jury award winner in the Hump Film Festival. Porn Yesterday inspired me to make this podcast series, and it's not currently available anywhere to watch online because I'm currently submitting it to film festivals. But patrons who pay for the Produce Producers tier will have access to it along with all the other perks, so check it out. Thanks for listening. Production support provided by $3 Bill Cinema. $3 Bill Cinema strengthens, connects, and reflects diverse Seattle communities through queer film and media. We provide access to films by, for, and about lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer people and their families, and a forum for LGBTQ2 filmmakers to share and discuss their work with audiences. We curate themed screenings throughout the year and produce programs in partnership with other arts, cultural, and service delivery organizations in the greater Seattle area. Visit $3BillCinema.org to learn more. Fruit Bowl is a production of Fruit Bowl Media, all rights reserved. Check out fruitbowlpodcast.com to find out more about the project. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.